The Terminator's back with a dark fate. We meet a whole new Adams family and spend some time with the last black man in San Francisco. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Terminator Dark Fate, eh? The sixth in the franchise. Is it the sixth? The sixth. And, uh, you know, people are probably thinking. Is this going to be another ropey one? <laughs> oh, do you know that's the thing? I, I love that there's there's been this thing when the uh, the, the social media embargo dropped and, yeah. and start coming out that it was good. Uh, there were people like running headlines, like Buzzfeed running headlines, like people saying it's the best Terminator sequel since Terminator Two, and I had friends on Facebook sharing it, and be like, "Oh God, I hope this is true." And my response was always, "It literally only needs to have a beginning, middle, and end for that to actually be achievable." <laughs> do you know what? I'm up there with the people that were saying that this is a really good Terminator. <laughs> but that's the thing. It doesn't have to try very hard to be a very good Terminator. No, but it, it has to top. try better than the other three or whatever there was that was oh, just... Yeah. yeah. Look, I think that this is an interesting one because there's, there's actually quite a few films out this week that are female-led. And I'm, yeah. and this is one of them. There's this, this, this is Black heavily. and Blue as well, which mm. with Naomi Harris, which is great. This, for me... Well, look, let's start with what it's all about. It's basically about a Mexican factory worker who is targeted by a Terminator from the future and he comes back in time to sort of eliminate her or terminate her. And this she's got like familiar. a... Yeah, it, funny like that. I've seen this before. She's got a bodyguard called Grace who is like a genetically enhanced human. So super speed, super strength. I uh, love it. But she's like kind of Terminator sol- a super soldier though. She's like nanotechnology, isn't it? I kind of liked... She was more universal soldier for me. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie Davis. Yes, Mackenzie Davis. Who I, I've got a confession to make about this, yeah. this whole Mackenzie Davis thing. I went through three quarters of the film thinking it was Claire Foy. Really? It's the yes. haircut. It's the haircut. That's yes. It is. Totally I know, it's the haircut, haircut. me on. And I got really confused because I was like, she's got a really elongated neck for Claire Ford. <laughs> so, so we've got, so we've got human target, good Terminator, good semi-Terminator protective, yep. bad Terminator. Okay, what else have we got in the setup? Um, well, she's got to obviously protect her to save the future. Of course. So you've got the odd mention of Skynet in here, but actually the plot's moved on a little bit. We're not really talking about John Connor. We're talking about the future of what the future looks like. Never seen one like you before. Almost human. I am human. Just enhanced. You know, increased speed and strength. My name is Sarah Connor. When I was about her age, a Terminator was sent to kill me to stop the birth of my son, John, leader of the resistance. We changed the future. Saved three billion lives. You're welcome. Isn't it nice to have Linda Hamilton back? Well, 30 years away has done her well, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, what an entrance that she makes in this movie. She does. She just, I mean, that's the thing. The trailer is largely the first act, isn't it, of the film? There's, yeah. There's not an awful There's little snippets from the rest, but they have kept a good chunk of it out of the ad campaign, I would say. Yeah, and I think for its benefit, to be mm. honest, I think it works really well. And and when, when Linda Hamilton comes back, she's such a badass. Did, did you did you just think Jamie Lee Curtis in the Halloween reboot call? A little bit, a little bit. Year. But uh, you know what? Everyone laughed at it when yeah. she came back because it's just, it's it plays on its ridiculousness. Mm. And, 
Yeah, and what I loved about it is that she cut. She, it's an explosive entrance. Need we say more? Can I run through my cons list first and get it out of the way, okay. and, then, and then revel in the good with you? Okay, can fine. I do that? Okay, yeah. so bear in mind, Terminator Two, movie that made me love movies. Okay, I am all about T Two. It is a sequel better than Godfather Two in my books. Better than Toy Story Two, even. Okay. Better than The Dark Knight. Anything like that. Okay, so uh, I think this is a better Terminator Three. I think it is the best Terminator sequel after Terminator Two. Agreed. Um, I think it's a better version of Terminator 3 with some elements borrowed from Terminator Genesis and bizarrely done better. I think it's the most actual performance Arnie's gotten to give with this character since Terminator 2. Yeah. Although obviously it comes with a twist that we can't really go into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Mackenzie Davis and Linda Hamilton, both incredibly kick-ass, love the hell out of both of them. Wasn't overly sold on Natalia Reyes, who, who plays Danny. I think a little bit hey, too Hey, for cartoony. a girl that's just done loads of telenovelas, <laughs> she has made one hell of a jump into, into mainstream movies. I think it's got the chops, though. Yeah. I think it's got some of the grit, but it's not got the, the sterility and the physicality of the Cameron movies. They looked kind of bleak. They look yeah. an, an unpleasantly real world. This still looks like a movie. Yeah, and uh, do you know what? So Terminator 1, 1984. Um, so that terrified me, mm. that movie, because you're right, the bleakness, the idea of what the future looked like, it was scary. And the most that we got from this, in this movie, in Dark Fate, is... Um, the moment when uh, we see the younger Linda, uh, Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, right? There is some trickery afoot, isn't there? We can't, we can't spoil too much. No, 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 no. But you do see Terminators. Mm. That, for me, that scene, and when you see the movie, you'll get what we mean. That scene with the younger Sarah Connor mm. is more bleak and a, a symbol of the future than seeing the forward uh, viewings of what the future actually looks like if that makes sense I, I do, I'd also think as well that it's, uh, it's got some quite timely stuff going on with the border patrol immigration elements yep. of the story yep, I thought that, that was interesting Yeah, I thought the effects have been better hmm. than any of the previous movies after T2 I will say though that it, I think it does rely too heavily on the CG task because there's nothing quite up to I mean, if we're comparing it for instance to calling it a better Terminator 3 for yeah. instance uh, there's nothing up to the level of that Arnie on a crane chase no. from, from, from Terminator 3 which has not got that physicality to it it's not got the, the practical effects there is yeah. still too much reliance on it and there is a little bit too much goofy fan service for me, the Terminator fanatic, there is a song in this movie that has no earthly business even existing, let alone being in the movie, and it is a reference to the very beginning of Terminator 2. Okay. Uh, if I just say Biker Bar and, okay. and leave it there. Okay. Why it be playing? I don't know. Okay. But, uh, yeah. but do you know what? Let's talk about the main man. Oh, yeah. Um, Arnie. He said he'd be back. <laughs> <laughs> he is back. And he's back and he stuck around. So, yeah. So I really enjoyed him in this movie because he brings a fantastic balance of, believe it or not, of humour in yeah, this. Of humour and, and actual sort of uh, humanity. I would yes. argue that most of the emotional beats in the film come from Arnie. I know. Which is something you would not expect given that he himself you know, states, you know, I am an unfeeling machine. And I thought that was really good. I think the way that they've uh, brought about new conflict between Sarah and the Schwarzenegger, ter- the Schwarzenegger Terminator, I think that is uh, yeah. an interesting way to go. And also the, the humanity that he brings is explained, or he tries yeah, to is, explain yeah. that, which I think is really good, because otherwise people would be like, I don't buy that. But actually his explanation of it makes a lot of sense. It weirdly does, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I really like that. And I, lo- I, I love the pairing of H- Hamilton and, and Schwarzenegger in this, because... 
it's just something that we've been itching to see. It's Jamie Lee and Michael Myers, isn't it? Yeah, you just, you it need is. need them back together. And it works really well. It's, it's, it's the roughness of the two of them actually mm. paired up against each other gives you that friction that you need within this because otherwise it suddenly becomes very predictable and you're like, oh, I see where this is going and then it kind of turns <laughs> on its head a little bit. Actually, I will say that about it. There are a couple of narrative twists in it, particularly as far as the Terminator mythology goes. I think there are, I'll, I'll say two specifically yeah. for me. And I'm kind of a cynical kind of guy going into this. I did think, based on the marketing, I could predict every stage of this story. And I was more or less exactly right. Except for those two little bits. I can't say that about every film, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's just because <laughs> I've sat through six of these now. So, uh, sorry, five of these, and this is the sixth. And yeah. yeah. But I think it did. this movie definitely did give you something that you're not used to seeing mm. from the, the, the previous kind of uh, four movies, well, three movies, actually. Some actual four. fun. Yeah. yeah, there's loads of fun in this. I think it's a, it's a really good bit of escapism for the, for the weekend, especially if it's a bit of a dreary weekend that we're <laughs> expecting as well. What better way to do it than to, you know, look to the future? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, look <laughs> no to, matter how bleak. Look to a new future. Yeah. yeah, but that's the other thing, is that because we do move that story along and mm. it's not just about the John Connor story anymore. We needed that. Like, if they rehash that any more time, it's going like to be a bit Star like... Star Wars moving on from the Skywalkers this year. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's going to be a thing where these franchises move forward past yeah. it. And that is a good thing. But, you know, I enjoyed it. I think it's a solid movie. I think it's definitely in the rankings. It's probably number three, um, <laughs> which is good. Is, yeah. yeah, you're never going to beat Terminator 2 and Terminator. So, for me, it's, it's a big two what, one and a half thumbs one up. One and a half actually. thumbs up. Okay, you know what? I'm going to give it one and a half thumbs up as Good. well because I, I can't give it one that feels too hard on it. And also, being the fanboy, I don't want that to be the justification as yeah. to why. But I don't think it's great. I think it's pretty good. Perfectly good. Perfectly good. You know, just not amazing. <laughs> Welcome back to Off Screen. I'm Van Conner, and we're back at the movies again. Um, I think, uh, should we go to San Francisco, Miss Perfect? Oh, I could do with a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's funny you say that, because this, this is a very majestic experience, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. So this is the uh, the debut of writer-director Joe Talbot. Uh-huh. It is the, uh, the, story of, uh, the story of two friends, one of whom, played by uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Fails, who plays a character of the same name. I thought you were going to say Jimmy Fallon then. <laughs> Not Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon plays a character of the same name. Yeah. And effectively, he um, is in complete awe and admonishment of, you know those classic San Francisco houses? You know like what the Charmed Girls live in? Yeah. Or uh, or Mrs. Doubtfire's family? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know those, those Definitely quintessential... Definitely went on that movie tour when I went to San Francisco. The, where, where Ant-Man lives. You know, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> those houses that nobody can actually afford to live in. Well, that's the thing. So he's in love with one of these. You know, he himself is a man in, say, his late 20s. Um, his Blind grandfather, sorry, his his grandfather apparently built the house, and his yeah. family lived there for years, way back when. And obviously, over time and economic change, they've moved, they've downsized, and they more or less live in the slums now. Comparatively, mm. he discovers that this house is kind of up for grabs. The owner's mother has died, and the the property rights are being argued between the two adult sisters or something, and it's sat there vacant. So he decides he and his friend Mont are going to uh, break into it, squat, and, you know, take it all in and sort of recapture the glory of uh, of this house. But it is really OTT with the art housey side. So think Barry Jenkins wanted to do an urban poem to San Francisco. A manifest destiny. Last hand to the city. Man, two steps further, you'll be drinking that filthy salt water. But 
Thing looks incredible looks incredible but as you can tell from the clip good lord do we expect jazz hands and then to break out into song <laughs> at any moment <laughs> i mean listening back to it sounds a lot like little miss sunshine actually when you think about well, it just, honestly it sounded like a play i was just like where are we going with very, this? very much of that it is um another project sort of uh, centered around telling african-american stories that does seem to have its roots in stage work in uh, in in alternative in the alternative art scene, yeah, you know something in that more expressive kind of idea of storytelling. Is, would you say this is going to be a mainstream movie for this? Oh, week? not under any circumstances. No, <laughs> no, no. Perish the thought. However. It is a wonderful film. The central performances, I think, are absolutely are brilliant. Uh, Jonathan Majors, Jimmy Fails, uh, as the two leads, I think, absolutely brilliant. Nice turn from uh, a blind Danny, uh, Danny Glover in there as well. Oh, good. Um, I thought it was uh, was really good. Actually, I'll tell you one thing that did absolutely astonish me from this one. Uh, Finn Whitrock, a guy I haven't seen anything for a while. Finn but Whitrock. Finn Whitrock. I mean, you can choose any stage name. <laughs> <laughs> because I just know him from uh, uh, The Big Short. He's one of the, the younger stockbrokers in The Big Short. Right. And uh, American Horror Story. He was in that. Um, anyway, so... Um, Again, you can choose any name. <laughs> I feel like that's one of those Chad Michael Michelson jokes mm, from Family Guy. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Chad Chad Finley Dyson or something like that. Good the three-barrel teen hunt. Good Lord. But, okay, so, I mean, it is good. It, Joe Talbot is clearly going to create something absolutely game-changing that's a lot more mainstream than this. Yeah. And when he does, you'll have something like, you know, Beale Street could talk. You know, that kind of scale What, of, so you're saying, like, it looks beautiful... Yeah. It doesn't have much substance to it. That's the thing. It is all substance, but it's not really given in much of an accessible way. Like, you know, Beale Street Could Talk found a way to make its poetry and its almost Shakespearean tone workable for an average audience. This yeah. could do with that. Yeah, okay. Well, we might debate that about Beale Street. If I go with Moonlight? Is that what that is? Yeah, Moonlight's better. Moonlight, better yeah, example? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and don't get me wrong, like, I think Barry Jenkins is incredibly talented. Oh, yeah. But Beale Street could talk, if Beale Street could talk, didn't... Obviously, we saw that at the Academy Awards and everything. It just didn't quite live up to... We, we did that together that night, didn't we? Yeah, we yes. did. Yes, we did. It just didn't quite live up to the expectations... That, that Moonlight sort of, you know, crashed forward mm, with. I'll go with that. It was a lot more inherently stage play-like, for one It thing. was, and it's just something like that that's just a little bit, you know, I don't know, uh, different and edgy and arty and things just doesn't quite cut it. And if this doesn't have enough of that and enough of something else and enough of something else, and I'm not sure if The Last Black Man in San Francisco is going to cut it with audiences and therefore make any money. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ultimately, it's always about that bottom line. So, uh, let's, speaking of the bottom line, let's move on to an animated reboot of uh, a series last adapted into two films and a director video sequel based on, I believe, a series from the 40s that then got adapted into a sitcom in the 60s and then became a kids' series. So, let's talk about The Addams Family. Can you not be so mean about it? Because I'll tell you what, I blooming love The Addams Family. I love The Addams Family. Do you know why you love The Addams Family? Same reason I do because we love those Simon Fell movies yeah yeah okay but I'm annoyed at myself that I missed this screening ah you know it's not bad I'll give you that. Okay. Okay, so you Talk know. Me through okay, it. so you know you know the Adams family, you know, Dad's Gomez, Mom's Morticia, <laughs> yeah. uh, Children I mean, Wednesday, Pugsley. <laughs> exactly. Uncle Festa. You know, this is the whole thing. So the movie begins and it's an animated sort of well, it looks and feels a lot like Hotel Transylvania, 
which which I also love, which has stolen a lot of the thunder away from this. To be to be honest, damn it's you not, count. Yeah, a lot of the, <laughs> the inherent charm of the Adams family is taken away when you realise that. I Hotel would twist that on its head because Hotel Transylvania wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the oh, Adams family. No, of family. course, of course, but it is you know it's dread and the raid. It's oh. that kind of a problem. What? Um, it, it's not its fault. These, these things just happen. With to dread, exist. sorry, just so you know. So it, this <laughs> opens with the origin of how they found the house. Ah. Which in this version is an abandoned mental asylum. Brilliant. Complete with lurch. And newlyweds Morticia and Gomez move in. They set up their roots there. And years go by. They've raised their kids to, you know, the ages we know them to be, which I think, what, about 13, 14? Well, I think Pugsley's like 13. I think Wednesday's probably about 11 or 12, isn't she? Oh, right. I didn't realise she was was younger. Okay, and um, we get to that stage where she is, uh, she's at the age we know Wednesday to be. And they just happen to notice that an entire suburban neighbourhood and small manufactured town has erupted on the on the valley below the cliff on which their house sits. Wednesday, please, no ink stains on the table. Yes, mother. Gomez, everyone we've invited to the mazurka has threatened to come. I know, isn't it wonderful? All Adam sits under one roof again. Yes, but where will everyone sleep? We'll have Lurch fix up the mausoleum. It'll be like sleepaway camp. Very well, darling. Uncle Fester! Brother! Don't worry, I'm okay. The plate glass window broke my fall. Let me just say that the Addams Family live-action movie yeah. is one of my favourite movies. Of D- all do time. you like the second one better or the original? Yeah, the one where they go to summer camp. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome, yeah. isn't I it? I love it. I love it. Where Wednesday kind of falls in love and with the little mini go yeah. in the end. Yeah, it all works oh, God, so it. well. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, uh, brilliant cast in that. I, for me, like Raul, Raul Julia and um, oh, untoppable. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Yes. We've got obviously um, Christina Ricci and. Uh, who is it that's playing? Oh, yeah. Do you know what you've got? Um, Joan. Uh, what's Joan it? Cusack. Joan Cusack is Joan the villain Cusack. in the second yeah, one. Did you know the brilliant. kid who plays Pugsley is Ariel Winters from Modern Family's older brother? Say what? I know. Weird small world. <laughs> but in this movie, you've got an amazing voice cast. This is the thing. Okay, here's a weird thing. They are brilliant, but you do find yourself wondering why have you cast this for a live action version? It makes no sense because if you were doing yeah. it purely for an animated film, you could just as easily and cheap and for much cheaper money gotten Antonio Banderas in there to do it. Yeah. But they've gone and got Oscar Isaac and they've gone and got Charlize Theron. You're thinking, why? These aren't voice artists. Why didn't they just bring Angelica Houston back? To That's voice? it. If you were going to do it in animated form, why not simply have gotten someone? Because actually, actually yeah. to be honest, just from that clip, not having Angelica Houston's voice as Morticia, mm. it was jarring for me. I could get away with um, Oscar Isaac there <laughs> as Gomez because he's put, well, there is an accent, yeah. you know, that has to be put on. But we've also got Chloe Grace Moretz and also Finn, another funny name, Finn, Finn Wolfhard. Wolfhard. He doesn't yes. wolf soft, he wolfs hard. He wolfs hard. He so does. you'll recognise him from Stranger Things. He's, he, uh, uh, oh, yeah, it's, he's, he's the young. Bill Hader, isn't yes, he? he Bill Hader? Is. Yes. yes, he is. I mean, look, I, I will catch this movie. Yeah. Just, I've been trying to piece it together from the trailer. Yeah, You're, to be honest, you can piece it together from the trailer. To be honest, I, I kind of did. Um, it, it's fine. It's if you've got kids and they don't know the Adams family in particular, take them along. They'll really enjoy it. Yeah, but you know, children, not too scary. Not too scary at all. There's some effective enough little jumps in there in, in sort of kiddie fashion. Yeah, um, I think it's Hotel Transylvania again. 
that's that's the worst thing I can say about it. But having said that, I didn't I didn't dislike it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I laughed a fair few times. Um, it's got a track by Snoop. So you know, <laughs> when you've got a theme song by Snoop, that that, that kind of wins Everyone's a winner. <laughs> everyone does. Yeah, um, everyone wins. Uh, but yeah, I would I would check it out. But just do expect Adam's family by way of Hotel Transylvania. Whether or not you think that's a good thing, either way, that's what it is. I had a good time with it. Good. We want to give a shout out to our friends at Runway East where we record this show. They're on a mission to provide the world's best office space for startup teams and, well, they're doing pretty damn well at it. I'm partial to the roof garden myself. Uh, They're in London Bridge, Soho, Moorgate, very zen places to work. Give them a peep at runwayea.st. That's runwayea.st. Well, this is off screen, and in fact, we are on the two hundredth episode How of off screen. I, I know. know, yeah, amazing. I right? feel like Doctor Who. My companions have just regenerated every like fifty episodes, and I'm the one that stays. <laughs> You're my Clara. <laughs> so shout out, meanwhile, to uh, Kelly Colson, John Colson, Case Allen. Uh, yeah, the whole roster, Calvin Prickett, everyone who's been on the show. Well, uh, shout Hunt. out to you, Van Connor, because you know this is a bit. This is your baby. You know, the first week we did this, the only film out was. Jurassic World. Good lord. Yeah, I know. We had to talk about Jurassic World for like 40 minutes. It was horrifying. There was a lot of film news, though, luckily, so we managed to just... We, we created something. It was fine. Well, you've created something very successful. <laughs> you should be applauded for it. And you know what, guys? You should also be applauded if you go to the big screen this weekend, because there was obviously some great movies out there. There were. There were. But on the small screen, you are equally as spoiled. There are a few... Screamtastic movies out just in time for... Um, I suppose the build-up to Halloween, should we kind say? Kind of is. We're in the week before, aren't week we? Week before, where they kind of just start pitching some great. It's next movies, Thursday, actually. Halloween, isn't it? Yes, so. it's big business in my in my house. Ah, I would imagine. I would imagine. Yes, it is very good. Um, so let's kick off. What we've we got? So Saturday. Not that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have Deep Blue Sea, uh, five star, nine o'clock on. Uh, um, yeah, five star on Saturday and. I quite like this. This is LL Cool J, right? This is the one has the greatest theme song in any movie ever, if you ask me. Deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's fin. Yes. Yes. A set yes. of lyrics in which LL Cool J cannot decide if he himself is the shark. Uh, it, it's brilliantly written. I had this on VHS. Do you? Not do, did. <laughs> this, this is one of those that, like, when when I when DVD players first came out, you used to get, like, three DVDs with the player. Deep Blue Sea was almost always one of them. Like, Deep Blue Sea, The Matrix, and Three Kings, I think, were mine. Yeah, but also, when DVD players came out, I couldn't afford a DVD player. So, uh, that's when all the VHSs went into, like, clearance yes. prices. And so, I yes. absolutely those golden, those, those two up. golden years, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this, and Swordfish, like, those are the kind of movies that, that really sort of float in my boat. So, it's, it's, it's genetically enhanced Super Sharks, like, loose in an aquatic uh, laboratory an underwater laboratory and there's some famous people in there uh, and you get a couple really rousing speeches too yes you do now you've seen how bad things can get and how quick they can get that way well they can get a whole lot worse so we're not going to fight anymore we're going to pull together and we're going to find a way to get out of here first we're going to seal off this Let down only by terrible CGI, right? Oh, 
Samuel L. <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that he's in this and snakes on a plane. I mean, I it, know, just, right? it just makes my he's year. Got humor. <laughs> so Sunday then, something a bit more animated? Well, you know, we talked about the Adams Family, keeping it along the kind of ghoulish side. We've got mm. Frank and Weenie. Which <laughs> I saw in 3D when it came out, and it was actually really cute. I like the original Frank and Weenie short anyway. This is the sort of uh, feature-length uh, expansion of that. Uh, by Tim Burton, story of a young boy, loses his dog, uses... Uh, what, what do you call it, sort of universal monsters Frankenstein type uh, equipment to bring him back to life and hijinks ensue whole thing's in black and white mm. uh, and I thought quite a lovely film was this before or after Nightmare Before Christmas oh long after that was long the 90s after. about 20 years nearly 20 God, years after showing my age aren't I uh, Frank and Weenie BBC 2 11.30am not PM as I read it initially <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and I was like wow that's definitely not one for the kids <laughs> no certainly not Monday night then uh, Ransom yeah is this Mel Gibson? Yes. Yes. Uh, this is like going back through the recesses of my mind. I think I've seen this movie. All right, should we just let him set the pitch up for Okay, us? fine. So, let's do it. kidnapping, here's his response. The whole world now knows my son, Sean Mullen, was kidnapped for ransom three days ago. This is a recent photograph of him. And this? Well, this is what waits for the man that took him. This is your ransom. Wait, I want to see this. But this is as close as you'll ever get to it. Instead, I'm offering this money as a reward on your head. Dead or alive, it doesn't matter. You know what? From, yeah. from that clip, you know it's the 90s. You do, don't you? Because it's got gristle. It. Yeah, it's got that oh. gristle about it. Yeah, none we of made the... adult thrillers. None of this super high frame rate rubbish. No. Uh, <laughs> Ang Lee. We're not, we uh, don't need to see Mel's paws. We know he's a badass in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. But I remember this. Now, I mean, it's obvious his son was, was kidnapped and therefore there's a rat thing. Do you but remember when, who the kidnapper was? No. Gary Sinise from have Forrest you, Gump. Have you just ruined it? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's like statement of fact. It's, okay, fine. You know, it's like Columbo where they just show I you the I do love Gary Sinise from like, from, um, well, from Forrest Gump. Yeah. But also... Apollo 13. No, of Mice and Men. Oh, okay. <laughs> My next guess was just going to be CSINY. Well, yeah, there's that as well. But he is such a great actor. He such is. a great villain. He is as well. Yeah, he's so good. Um, so that is on ITV4, 9 o'clock. That is your Mel Gibson fix, if you need Mel it. Mel Mondays. Mel Mondays. There we go. Let's get more of those. Um, <laughs> Tuesday, Rear Window, Film 4, 2.35 p.m. Hitchcock? It is Hitchcock. Yes. And, and Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. This is one of those, we were talking, I was talking about this with a friend recently, I think you and I mentioned it recently as well, the idea of the greatest movie you've never seen. Something that's so iconic that this you don't be one need of to have seen the movie. <laughs> and it is, it's the, it's, you know, it's the guy in his wheelchair after an injury looking out his window, sees something fishy going on, the neighbours, starts looking through his binoculars and his cameras and, you know, The Simpsons obviously did an amazing parody of it, yep. like they did everything back then. And uh, it's just an amazing movie, one absolutely worth checking out. I think, I think out. every week, you need to have a good classic that you kind of like an for your own not seen. well yeah but also for your own sort of portfolio of knowledge around film it's good to go and watch something like that so I do that with 70s B-movie sci-fi flicks I was wondering where you're going with that <laughs> do that with 70s what uh, uh, film for 2.35pm on Tuesday that's Rear Window midweek 
I, this is like my guilty pleasure, this movie. This Mine is, too. Yeah, I yes. really love this. This is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's on BBC One at 11.15pm. Far too late, if you ask me. Um, and it stars Kenneth Branagh. And can, Sir Ken, yeah. Sir Ken and Robert De Niro as the monster. And he's good in it. It's so good. It's and, so and, bleak. And we can't forget the likes of Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. And John Cleese yeah. is in there as well in like a rare dramatic role. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, again, this is one I haven't seen in years. But so vivid in my mind like, so faux gothic isn't it yeah as he walks around shirtless with his leather cape no but there's yeah. also there's the there's the um they walk through um the snow and it's like this bleak aerial shot of oh, him. I know. yeah uh, just so much gorgeousness Amy this Quinn. and dracula you know my early 90s kind of fix of gothic horror in the early 90s that was the trend where they tried to do uh gritty reboots of all the horror icons so great. uh jack did wolfman with wolf yeah and obviously Brian got this. Yeah, anyway, so let's move on to yeah. Halloween night, which is Thursday. And we're going to turn to Dave at 9 o'clock and we're going to watch one of the best horror movies of the 1990s. One that's so horrific, it doesn't even have to try and be scary. I speak, of course, of. You know, I think it's her father. <laughs> Why can't they find her pops, man? Because he's probably dead. His body will come popping up in the last reel somewhere. Eyes gouged out, fingers cut off, teeth knocked out. See, the police are always off track with If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. It's Scream, baby. And I'm so disappointed that you didn't use the Drew Barrymore oh, clip. Because everyone expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yes, but we love it. Oh. That is Scream. It's those first ten minutes of this movie is what makes this movie. All right, all right, I'll hang and redefines the genre. I mean, for goodness sake, you call yourself a film critic I and you don't choose that clip. First of Who all, I you? think you'll find <laughs> it's the Carmen Electra mock of, uh, mockery of that in, in scary, scary movie, movie where she gets the breast implant popped out with the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the knife, the hunting knife. I think you'll find that redefines the genre. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, Scream, what better movie to watch on, on Halloween night? Because it just has that, that vibe, the whole thing about kids getting together and watching horror movies together at the house party and things like that. I love that. Well, and at I least we're not going to be watching like Brexit updates. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> In fact, you and I, when story when the, when the show ends today, we should wrap up by actually giving our own favourite Halloween picks. Okay, to watch, yes. But what we're going to end the week with, Bex? We're going to end the week with World War Z, which is on Friday, film four, nine o'clock. Brad Pitt. I really liked this. I did. The weird thing about this was this was meant to be a disaster. There was also meant to be a sequel. Yeah, that got kind of unexpectedly cancelled suddenly, like a yeah. few months ago. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I liked this movie. Um, it had this kind of twenty-eight days later feel about it. Um, yeah, didn't quite match up to that. It had like, I think actually some of the CGI kind of let it down, but it definitely made my sort of skin crawl. But that sequence of the zombies, for instance, climbing over the walls, yes. was like some great imagery in there. Um, I think Pitt is genuinely brilliant in it. Yeah, really good. And I think those who are fans of the, is it graphic novel or comic of it? Oh, no, it's just a novel. It's, it's a, novel. a novel. Oh, well, yeah. I don't think you'll be disappointed with that. Um, but yeah, a really solid movie to end the week. You've got so many horror choices there that I think, you know, there's loads to choose from on the small screen if you're not making it out this weekend. Okay, so on your releases on DVD and Blu-ray, or however you like to watch your movies in this modden age. Perhaps you live in 2019. Good, good chap. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> we have some offerings for you on that, starting with, well, actually, it's DVD, Blu-ray, and then eventually streaming as well. But we're going to start by the, this movie that, again, we talk about redefining a genre here. Yeah. We're going to talk about Midsummer, the director's cut. Well, the thing is, I don't think they're releasing the regular cut. I think it is just the director's cut they're releasing. Wow. Which is apparently half an hour longer, which puts this movie, finally, at three entire hours. Good Lord, can I just tell you a story, Go. my midsummer story? So I, I reviewed this on the BBC and mm. my team was so taken by my review. Of I it. recall this. Yes. And that they on their own accord decided as a team that's the breakfast show team they decided to go and watch a movie right <laughs> that afternoon midday and um i was on air on telly a bit later on in the day so my i my apple watch went off with a s- series of text messages from my breakfast Scary show face team. emojis um just going what the hell have we just watched to my knowledge, they were going to see Toy Story 4. Wow. And because of my review, they took it upon themselves to go and see Midsummer. And to be honest, they probably wish they hadn't. Has anyone seen Connie? I think Mark's on her I'm sure I saw her trying out for the sprinting Olympics earlier. What? Where? Sorry, but I can say what happened. Her boyfriend called the landline from the train station and calmed Connie down. And she begged our pardon and I drove her to meet him. Okay. That's really. Why would Simon leave without her? I'm sure it was just a miscommunication. I mean, it's one of those horror movies, isn't it? I mean, first of all, we didn't expect much because Hereditary had been quite good. And the rate of follow ups with the impressive horror debuts is not solid, we shall say. No. Um, Ari Aster knocks it out the part, though. It turns out a film even more cerebral. He wants us. Have you seen this thing with all the subliminal imagery of the, the de- dead sister from the opening? No. Like, she, there's images of her dotted throughout the film embedded in the back of the frame. Well, I'm not going to watch it again. But, to, uh, to see I, it. I absolutely am. This is, this is like my perfect Sunday afternoon film. This, but, film, uh, this film lived with me for a good <laughs> few weeks. I'm scarred. <laughs> yes, it really did. I mean, who would have thought it that you could make a horror movie sat, uh, set during the day mm. and make it so spine-tingling? Like, it gets under your skin, it this does. movie. And it's very graphic and it's very long, but it has to be long in order for it to work. And now that there's a director's cut... I know. But how great the performance, though? Uh, Florence though, Pugh well. is brilliant uh, in this. Jack Rayner as well is a very, very toxic boyfriend. <laughs> well, there is a very revealing scene with Jack yes. Rayner on this. And the, the bits that you kind of go are so ridiculous that you have to laugh. But I think you laugh out of nervousness You do. You also, also, Cheedy is in this movie. We can't forget Cheedy from The Good Place. Yeah, I'm a big, yeah. big fan of... Uh, is it Roy Jack Rayner and Harper? Do you know what, though? I keep seeing... Will Poulter. Will Poulter, that yes. And actually, I did see... I bumped into Will Poulter I after this. Him. Yes. And I congratulated him on it. And I said that his character was really funny. He went, yeah, but an arsehole. And I said, yes, there is obviously that. Um, but I quite liked it. You needed that. And he was very he was very grateful for that because, obviously, this is essentially quite a small film, but through word of mouth, actually grew. And now, when I look at, like, Pinterest or in, in um, Instagram or things like that, and I see people have these, like weddings that are like out in a field just think, with yeah. long tables yeah. I kind of go oh my goodness you're not going to make it through the night 
<laughs> so, um, coming to streaming this week is a movie. It's not a new movie, but it is new on the platform. And it's a movie I will champion until the day I die because it is a movie so expertly crafted in being stupid that it somehow accidentally wins you round into liking it. It is, of course, the Gerard Butler-led weather-controlled sci-fi action conspiracy thriller Geostorm, in which Gerard Butler, the world's greatest satellite engineer, has to go to space to correct a malfunctioning machine that controls the weather and protects the Earth. But at the same time, his younger brother has to solve a conspiracy about who might be sabotaging it, and he thinks the president might be out to destroy the world. There's something wrong with Dutch Boy. No, there isn't. Well, an entire village of dead Afghans may disagree with you. And then yesterday, an airlock just, just opened by itself. We lost one of our crew. Dutch boy is not my problem anymore. That I am calling on. Because other than your daughter and your precious soccer club, Dutch boy was all you ever gave a damn about. Oh, yeah, once. Yeah, but you took care of that. You don't care. No? Well, then what are you doing living out here? Hmm? Whoever is Gerard Butler's strategist in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> you think he has a strategy? Well, I think it's him. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but whoever is his strategist for which movies he's done, I applaud you. I mean, knowing that you fit into a type that will continually make you uh, movies because you know you will never pick up that Oscar. Well, that's the thing. I think he's just aware of that now. He's like, ah, screw it, I'm going to enjoy myself. Do you know what, though? Just just keep that money rolling in because yeah. it's so well deserved. I hear the words Gerard Butler. I know what I'm going to get and I know I'm going to go to the cinema to watch it. Exactly. And this time, it's Gerard Butler in space. <laughs> you know, what's not to love? So, uh, coming up to Halloween then, what are you going to be watching this Halloween night, Miss Perfect? I'm going to watch Battle Royale. Battle Royale? Yeah, it's that, always one of my, that is always one of my top Halloween picks because it's gory, it's uh, it's it's Asian, um, it is um, something that doesn't hold back. It is the thing that stuff like The Hunger Games is based on, true, really. True, true. And it is one of those movies that gets under your skin. I mean, I love you know Asian movies in general, so The Ring and things like that, Audition, stuff like that will always kind of get me mm. more than any sort of Western horror movie apart from Midsummer. I saw the poster <laughs> came out the other day for the latest remake of The Grudge. Oh. Starring John Cho. You, you might want to know this as well. My first ever date with my husband was yeah. to go and see The Grudge. Oh, how romantic. <laughs> also, that really dates your relationship for me now. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. 15 <laughs> I, years uh, strong. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be choosing this Halloween between... I might watch The Thing for the umpteenth time. I love okay. The Thing. I think that's a classic. Or a movie I have had a hankering for, and I've just had to pull up the details. I've forgotten some things. The 2007 uh, anthology horror movie Trick or Treat, written and directed by Michael Dougherty, who brought mm. us uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters this year. Okay. And this had an absolutely mental all-star cast of who's who on like uh, Canadian network TV so it was like Dylan Baker Tamo Pennycat you know actors who were in like Joss Whedon shows yeah. and Battlestar Galactica and things like that Anna Paquin was in it you know uh, Brian Cox was in it as well uh, really good movie and it had this little pumpkin sack demon child named Sam who just linked to all these random horror stories good and it Lord. was creepy and spooky and I love a little bit more ooky than the Adams Family. Yeah. But, um, uh, also, I know that we've obviously talked about what's on streaming and things like that, and this isn't necessarily new out this week. Hmm. I'm going to binge American Horror Story on Netflix. Oh, 1984. Yeah, 1984. I haven't watched that one yet. I mean, Hotel is up there as one of my favourites, as is Coven as well. But I just think if you haven't seen any of the American Horror Story movies and you're into your kind of horror, urban legends, hmm. all that kind of stuff... This is even Renoke is is a really good one, I think. Uh, I always find that I lose steam with them two or three episodes in. 
Who are you? Uh, I know, I know, I can't help myself. But I, I have been enjoying 1984. Oh, okay, good. Because that's kind of more your sort of slasher yeah. version of it. So it's it more keep, my yeah. speed, isn't it? Yeah, me, I just love the idea of witches and witchcraft and, you know, 70... Oh, the place in New Orleans, what was it, Horror House or... Not Horror House, the one that they uh, had Kathy Bates as, like... Um, she butchered people in her. In the oh God! Century. Is that Asylum? Uh, no, well, not Asylum. Was this even American Horror Story? I think it or was. Or is that Castle Rock? It was the one that was set in New Orleans because I went searching <laughs> for that actual house when I was in I'm, New Orleans. I'm, I'm terrible with the American with all the Ryan Murphy stuff. To be honest, I liked the people versus OJ Simpson, but I lose track of all the rest of the stuff. <laughs> but uh, it's all one universe to me. Fair enough. Fair okay, enough. Okay, so next week though, uh, we have got another horror, uh, another big towering horror icon coming. Have we? We've got the sequel to The Shining next week. Oh, good lord, we have. Yes, the Ewan McGregor-led adaptation of Doctor Sleep. I'm quite I'm quite interested in this. got Rebecca Ferguson in it as well. It has, Someone yeah. that spells Kylie in a very weird way as well. Uh, I saw that from the poster on the way here. Yeah. Okay, not a clue. K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. Mm, Kaylee? No. No. No? Okay, yeah. Well, uh, I can't remember the surname. But anyway, I... There are picture houses that are showing The Shining, and then this this week, and yeah. then you can go and watch. Yeah. You can go and watch this. So, for me, I know nothing about Doctor Sleep. I'm intrigued. Mm. It could be a pile of rubbish. We've got a very intriguing documentary called 2040 next week as well, which is about the environment and the things we could do to save the planet before 2040. Good. Which I'm actually intrigued by. It's a documentary, Making Waves, The Art of Cinematic Sound. Making Waves. <laughs> and of course, I'm not sure if you've caught this one already, Britney Runs a Marathon. I wasn't going to go and watch that, but I might now because I've seen that you loved it. I did. I, I saw. I had the pleasure of going to a, a screening the other night, and I had a very good time with it. Good. But, okay, uh, I might go and revisit and go and sign we, up. We'll, and go we'll, we'll talk in more detail perhaps next. Let's do that. Uh, in the meanwhile, it's a, it's a goodbye from me. I've been Van Connor. Thanks for listening to our 200th episode of Offscreen. You've been a pleasure, never a chore. And in honour of the great Mr. Case Allen, here it is, your moment of cage. You kill my cat. <laughs> I'll blow your head off.